Let's stand together, Joshua chapter 7 tonight. The Bible says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. They took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment, the wedge of gold, and his sons, his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? Most of you know the story of Achan, but let me refresh your memory. Israel's now gone into the promised land. They saw the Lord work in a miraculous way there in Jericho, and those walls fell down. Now they are going into Ai, and they send just a few thousand men. They're defeated. Joshua throws himself on the ground before God to pray. He's disturbed. He's frustrated. He's brokenhearted. God tells him to get up. He said there's sin in the camp, and he tells him to go out and bring forth the people, and he's going to identify. God's going to help him identify the man that's committed sin, that's caused trouble for all of Israel, and they identify Achan and his family. Joshua asks him this question in verse 25, why hast thou troubled us? I want you to think about something for a minute because there was a very clear command, and you know, I don't want to take the time to go back and reread the scripture, but you know, when they went into Jericho, God said, there are certain things that are first fruits, and I don't want you to touch the silver or the gold. I want you to touch any of that that's dedicated on the Lord. There are things that are separated unto God. There are things that are cursed. You shouldn't touch any of that. And everyone except for Achan obeyed. And Achan went in and he saw some things that he coveted. Look what he said in verse 21 in his confession. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, when I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. We're talking about someone that blatantly disobeyed the word of God. Now, I'm highly concerned as a pastor this day and age, we're looking back at one man among thousands, hundreds of thousands, one that disobeyed the word of the Lord. But I wonder how many today, if we went family by family, person by person, how many things we'd find hidden under tents. It's just almost unfathomable the things that we accept in our Christian life in 2013 as normal behavior blatant disobedience and now it is even more shameful Achan took those things blatantly disobeyed but he hid it in the camp didn't even know about it but in today's Christianity people are so blatant they will openly disobey the word of the Lord with no shame and then look at those around them uh, 
and say, what's wrong? Why isn't this acceptable? Because it's not acceptable unto God. And in this day and age, we have the written word. In this day and age, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So in order for us to commit open disobedience, we are trampling on the word of God, the written word of God. And in a church like this, that preaches the word of God with knowledge we disobey. Uh, very well-established Bible principles and Bible commands. You have to ignore the Holy Spirit totally unaware of the wiles of the devil and the trouble you're causing, not only for yourself, but for those around you. When he was caught and brought forward, the first question out of Joshua's mouth was this, why troublest thou us? No man lives unto himself, no man dies unto himself. And this is when he committed this sin. He was troubling all of the people of God. Young people and babies and children and ladies and teenagers and young adults and college students all affected because someone doesn't care about anyone but themselves. And Achan, with his sin, disturbed the entire nation because of a disobedient act before God. One man who said, I don't care what God's word says. I want the silver. I want the garment. I want the gold. I want to fulfill my flesh. And he troubled Israel. Look what the Bible says about Achan's sin. Chapter 7, verse 1. One man sinned. Here's what God said. The children of Israel committed a trespass, one man sinned, and he troubled all of Israel. Isn't it amazing how one man can sin in a church and the whole church feels troubled? And here's what happens. Here's an obvious way to tell when there's sin in the camp. When you have little participation because here was their plan, verse 3. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three hundred men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither. It's obvious the sin is in the camp. When a church, and this is happening all across our nation, when a church will hold soul winning and you have two or three go up, and a church holds a prayer meeting and five or six go up, and the church has a special event or hosts of EBS or is trying to reach out to the world or trying to raise money for missions, whatever the case may be, whatever the church is trying to accomplish, and they're trying to get people involved, but because there's sin in the camp, you only have a very small percentage that is participating. The reason is someone is troubled that church out of selfishness. This is what I want. And what you want comes in conflict with the will of God, the work of God, and the word of God. Here's what we do in our selfishness. We willfully trouble everyone else in the congregation. That's called a blatant disregard for the brethren. A blatant disregard for the word of God a blatant disregard for the welfare of those around us. That would be called the zenith of selfishness. One man, 
one man walked into that city and saw those things and said, I want that and I don't care what it costs me or anybody else. And the next time they went to battle, his philosophy and sin had already so affected the nation that they said, let's just send up if you don't make everyone go up and fight. You know what? Look at how Joshua was painted. Verse 8, he said, Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Nothing disturbs leadership more than seeing Christians turn their back before their enemies. Have you ever read anything about the armor of God? Ephesians 6 says something about the, taking the whole armor of God. Let's see. There is, we're supposed to Gird our loins with truth. There's supposed to be a breastplate of righteousness put on. We're supposed to have our feet shot with the preparation of the gospel. We're supposed to take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that means there's absolutely nothing that covers the back because God had no intention for any Christian to turn and run Joshua is disturbed because he knew that Israel had turned their backs before their enemies. They had run. And some would say what great faith they had. Listen, God had already given them a victory. So they're standing up to their enemies. They're saying, we don't need to take the whole army. Let's just go and move forward. No, that wasn't faith. That was presumptuous for them to suppose without prayer or thought that God was going to be with them when in fact they had sinned and would pay a terrible price. Now it's not just that sin troubles God's people. Look what it says in verse 9. As Joshua is crying out to God, he says, For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? What about God's name? It was Joshua who cried out and he said, This sin has troubled God's great name. It disturbs me that Christians are no longer concerned about God's great name. They're concerned about their image. They're concerned about their reputation. They're concerned about their material welfare but not concerned. Before you dress like that, why don't you consider God's great name? Before you go there, before you make that call, before you batten out those people, before you hurt the cause of Christ, before you do that, before you walk into that movie house, before you pull out that R-rated video, before you do that, why don't you consider God's great name? I'm Baptist but I'm much more concerned about the name of God than I am the name of the Baptist. I'm a Christian. I'm a Thompson. I'm all of those things, but I'm much more concerned about God's name. And here's what concerns me. When you have young people in sin, when you have men in sin and women in sin and children in sin, it's because they've never been taught that they represent the name of Almighty God and their behavior will reflect poorly Upon his name, they commit sin. Joshua said, what about thy great name? That's just been dragged through the mud. Here's what we have young people doing everything on the planet. Christians committing all kinds of sin. 
and trying to justify it in the name of grace. Let me ask you something before you do that. Why don't you consider God's great name? How can you smoke a cigarette? How can you drink a beer? How can you go to 6th Street? How can you tell a lie and tell me that honors God's great name? Well, preacher, if you would soften up a little bit, we could grow faster. I would rather shrink our congregation and glorify God than change our message with the purpose of growth. You say, if you just get a little kinder, if you get a little softer, if you'd preach fewer messages on those subjects, if you would avoid certain topics, we could certainly grow a larger crowd. Our purpose is not to grow a larger crowd. Our purpose is to glorify His name. And I want my marriage to glorify His name. I want my kids to glorify His name. I want our Christian school to glorify His name and our clubs to glorify His name. And I don't want anything done under this ministry that doesn't glorify His name. What about His name? Joshua lay on his face before God. He said, someone has not only troubled this people, someone has troubled thy great name. Doesn't it say in Psalms 23 that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Let me repeat that. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his Name's sake. That's 2013. Still applicable for today. I want you to see as he gathers these families together. Verse 15. Joshua says it shall be that he that is taken with a cursed thing shall be burnt with fire. Can you imagine as he gathers God's people together and makes that statement? One man knows in his heart that he's the guilty party. So Joshua gets up early in the morning, brings Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brings the families of Judah, the family of the Zerites, and the family man by man. And Zabdi was taken. He brought his household man by man. And Achan, now let me ask you, how in the world did Achan feel? His, suddenly his tribe was identified. His lineage. His family. You know what it troubled his mind? You know what sin will do for you? It'll trouble your mind. Sin will mess with your mind and take your peace and your joy. You won't be able to sleep. You'll live perturbed and disturbed and frustrated and stressed. You don't know how to get rid of some of that medication be able to sleep at night. You know how to fix some of those problems. You confess your sin. You make things right with God. Aiken's standing there. Can you imagine as Aiken's in that line? And Joshua says... God's identified this problem in the tribe of Judah. Now, at first, Achan may have thought, I've gotten away with this. I can get away with this. 
But when Joshua says it's the tribe of Judah, and Achan says he begins to sweat, he begins to think maybe he does have direct access to God. Maybe he will be able to identify me in my sin. But I know no one saw me. I know I hit that well. I know no one will be able to identify me. Surely among the thousands and hundreds of thousands, he won't be able to single me out. Let me just say this. There is no secret sin. Because there is an all-knowing God a revealer of all things. You say, preacher, no one has access to my computer. God does. No one has a key to that cabinet. No one knows about that moment. No one saw me in that place. God did. Uh, just about the time a young person thinks that he or she has gotten away with the secret sin, God says, I don't care what you did in secret, be sure your sin will find you out. And I don't care what kind of tent you put on top of your sin. God knows the exact location. God says, I'm going to reveal that and you won't like it when I do. Why hast thou troubled us? Here's the amazing thing about sin. When someone's sin is revealed and they face the shame and the consequence, then they look around at everyone else and say, why are you troubling me? No, you trouble those around you, the people of God, the house of God, your family, your marriage, your children. That's what sin does. Look what it says in verse 17. He brought the family of Judah. He took the family of the Zerites. The family, man by man. Verse 18, and he brought his household. You know what? Sin doesn't just trouble God's people or trouble God's great name. Sin doesn't just trouble your mind where you can't sleep or rest in peace. Sin will trouble your family. And men, let me just say this because it always boils down to the same thing. Godly leadership. Did you know what? You are, as the father, the spiritual leader of your home, you are responsible for the spiritual welfare of your children. I am responsible for Christopher and Ashley and Brittany. I am responsible for my family and for my marriage and that is not the fault of Pastor Ben as the youth pastor. That is not the fault of Brother Dave Kelly as the club leader. That is not the fault of the Christian school and the last person we look at is ourselves. Here's what I can't understand. I cannot understand a father that is passive and permissive and allows their child Oh, when they're in grade school, everything is fine. But about the time that child turns 13 and decides to go their own way and do their own thing, that father, that man, that husband doesn't have enough spiritual backbone to stand up, declare truth, and say, we will do right. The school doesn't have the responsibility to rear your child the Sunday school and the clubs and the youth ministry does not have the biblical responsibility there and aid for you as a parent to reinforce what you are supposed to be teaching in that home. 
and the spiritual leader in this home troubled his family. Let me ask you something, men of this church. Does it not disturb you that your teenager doesn't have a spiritual bone in their body? Does that not disturb you? Does it not disturb you they have no desire to read their Bible, no desire to pray, no desire to witness soul, no desire to love others? Their only desire is to escape the most basic things in Christianity. Do we not agree that soul winning, church attendance, Bible reading, and tithing are as basic as you can get when it comes to the Christian life? And your child has no desire to do any of those things? Does that not disturb you? You need to be disturbed. How's it we go to Mexico and you look at Catholic homes and you walk into these places and they have shrines and there's a mom with an entire room and she has, she has literally idols all over in the room and pictures of Mary and you'll find that mother on her knees before her gods but in a Christian home. Anything that would glorified God has never been purposely brought in to that home. Look what it says in verse 19. Joshua said to Achan, my son give I pray thee glory to God. You know how he was discovered? Now we're not talking about the church house. We're not talking about down at the school because they'll be given a hymn book and they'll be required to attend chapel and they'll be required in my presence to say a memory verse. But I'm talking about in your tent. Here's a revelation of whether or not there's sin under the tent. Tell me about your daddy giving glory to God on Monday. Tell me about your daddy being the spiritual leader and giving glory to God on Tuesday. Tell me what he has brought into his home to make sure his home is bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And I don't think all these things are evil. But isn't it amazing that we have the time and the finances to bring in a large TV and to bring in cell phones and to bring in computer equipment and bring in amazing sound systems and all these things... Uh, but something that purposely brings glory to God, we never even imagine what is it that I can do to establish God's glory in my home. You ought to have Bibles in your home. You ought to have art and pictures and verses and missionary cards on your fridge. I ought to embarrass you. You have art that dishonors God. You ought to replace that with art that honors God. You'd go through your magazine cabinet and get rid of all those magazines that get kids addicted on pornography, desirous of garbage. Get some kind of Christian books in your home and go through your house and say, I want to make sure everything in my tent brings glory to God. Can't believe in our Christian home. We're, we are helping our children have absolute, uncontrolled access to the world's garbage. There was a day, you'd have to go back a long time to find the day when the garbage was actually hidden under the tent. Now the parent says, I want peace in the home. And usually peace with mom because mom's usually on board with the kids. Mom said, I'm not going to fight them in there. You know, they're 13 now, they're 15 now. Look how they dealt with sin. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers 
they ran unto the tent. You know what? It's time some of you as spiritual leaders in your home, you run into that tent. You purge yourself the accursed. Here's what Joshua told them in verse 13. Up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves. You can't be sanctified without taking the first step, which is separation. Read your Bible. Every time he talked about sanctification, he said, come out, separate yourselves. Then we will make you holy. Separation isn't sanctification. Separation is the first step. And here's what people think. I'm going to sanctify myself without separating myself. You can't. You're trying to disobey Bible principle. That's impossible. God can't be honored. God can't be glorified. Sanctify yourselves. You know the best thing you can do? You run to your tent. Parents, the best thing you can do tonight is get home. You run to the tent and you pull up those, that gold and that silver and those garments and that garbage that is disobedience to God. Some of you need to run your tent. You need to pull out those cigarettes. You need to pull out those magazines. You need to pull out those TV programs. They ran under the tent. Behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. Now look what Joshua says in verse 25. Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. Israel stoned them with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. They raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Look what it says in chapter 8, verse 1. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Fear not, neither be dismayed. Take all the people who are with thee. Arise, go to Ai. See, I have given into thine hand the king of Ai. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.